This is Kelly and Abby, your nonprofit BFFs. Uh, thank you for listening to Nonprofit Girl Boss. Please make sure to rate this podcast so we can grow our audience and follow so you can check out weekly episodes, how you can improve your nonprofit leadership and life. Hey, this is Kelly, and welcome back to Nonprofit Girl Bosses, part two of building relationships with mid and high level donors. How are you doing today, Abby? I am awesome, and I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. (laughs) We're just going to go ahead and dive right in. So last week, and if you didn't listen, go back and listen to part one before part two. Last week, we talked about the specific path of uh, what ended up being a major donor, Ethel. And uh, Abby confessed she is an Ethel, so go back and listen. And also, um, Abby gave a lot of great tips on how to approach and interact with a donor for the first time, especially a donor you know is going to be a mid or high level donor and One of her major tips was do the research before you show up, treat it like it's a date. (laughs) Yes. Treat it like it's a date. You need to know you're not going out with a murderer. Yes. So I'm going to talk a little bit and hopefully Abby chime right in if you want to about once you interact with that donor for the first time, you follow up, you maybe don't even act for a donation yet, but how do you start to see money from that donor? How do you continue to show donors the impact of their money? And I will argue if you want to retain donors, if you want to retain donors, but especially if you're going to move them up the donor ladder. And I always talk about add a zero donations, and that's typically like a $500 to $5,000 gift or a $100 to $1,000 gift. Those add a zero donations, you get those only. You have to show donors the impact their money makes. And I would argue by showing, this is not just sending them a letter saying, hey, you donated money for a new jungle gym for our pre-K. Thanks. We bought the jungle gym. But to really connect with the donor of the impact, the emotional impact, not just the numbers impact, the emotional impact their donation made. So this is by, and again and again and again, I um, talk about only through through the specific, can something become universalizable? I do nerd out about storytelling. So tell a specific story. It doesn't matter how boring the donation or what their impact was. Tell a specific story with a face and a name of the impact they made. I think at least a couple of times a year, you should be sending this out to donors, especially if it was for a specific campaign. What do you think, Abby? I love that. And I actually have a question for you. So I was working with a nonprofit that has very strict confidentiality. So to tell their story, we asked a young man who used to be in the program. He signed his, yep, we can use his story, all of that. So we took his story and we adapted it to the different forms But one of the board members had a really big issue with this because it's supposed to be confidential. So how do you approach those issues with telling stories to make that Uh, an emotional connection? Yeah, I think I get this question and Abby, you and I work for different types of work with different types of organizations. A lot of my organization in the food insecurity space and in the housing insecurity space. So homeless shelters, women's shelters, right? Uh, Food pantries. And people like to how do I approach it? Well, especially if that man signed a waiver saying he was okay, like confidentiality is something that you respect for people. But if people want to share and give back, like you need to let them. (laughs) And a lot of people want to share their success and share their transition and a way to be grateful to an organization. Again, like this is all mindset for boards of directors. And this is boards knowing their name at their lane and executive directors knowing their lane. Only want to tell a story if you get someone's permission. And one great way of doing that though, if you're a very open organization that likes to be inclusive, 
it's okay to just have a waiver at the beginning that people can sign as part of their registration process, right? It's okay to use your pictures on social media and Mm -hmm. even confidential organizations. Like I used to work with developmental disability service providers. If you have that waiver and you're approaching stories with respect, this is something that individuals in your organization need to get over. Confidentiality doesn't mean you can never, ever say anything ever about any human being, right? Right. And I took that a step further and I asked them like, what if we falsified a story to get your story out there? How would you feel then? And they're like, well, that's not appropriate. And I was like, so what's the in-between here? Like you need to realize that real stories sell better than the falsified ones. So I think one of the things though, and I will talk about, you know, in a domestic violence emergency shelter, right? It's very difficult to ever tell any of those people's stories, um, especially like immediate, but you still want to capture it. So one thing that I do recommend, again, this is only if you have to in extreme cases with confidentiality is like, is to change the name, use a representative image, change a couple of the details. Create like an avatar of the situation. Yes, an avatar of the situation. But tell the story, tell the story. A lot of people mm-hmm. refrain from telling any story because of, yeah, confidentiality is such a funny thing. But the biggest thing is like treat people with respect, tell stories with respect and allow people to share, to allow you to share their story, no matter what. I mean, I would argue even in the case of the domestic violence emergency shelter, if a woman's like, thank you, like, I want to tell my story because of the impact you made in my life and transitioning me into safety, let yeah. the lady tell it. <laughs> um, <would> say no. <laughs> yeah. So other ways to show donors the impact their money makes. I'm big on inviting donors in on at least a, at least a small portion in a relational setting on a quarterly basis. So mid-level donor coffees are great ideas. And these are tours of your organization, but what this shouldn't be is you talking at, if you listen back to part one, Abby and I both shamed our listeners. (laughs) It shouldn't be tours where you're talking at and your donors and telling them everything. It should be a Think of it as a way to build relationships and allow them to have some of the emotional experiences you have every day working within your organization. Again, if you have a slideshow where you tell people every single program you have and go through a mini brochure, just so you know, this is the wrong kind of tour. This should be about relationship building and them experiencing some of the same emotions that you feel by the impact you make. Presentations are another great way to show, but I would recommend, and I'm going to twist this a little bit. Again, you want to get your mid-level to major donors to see the impact their money makes by feeling it, but you also just want to connect with them. So it's so important to whether it be your development director, your executive director, a board president to engage and socialize, or at least give them an opportunity, right? It's okay to say no. A lot of major donors don't want to, but like get to know them as people. This could be inviting them to do events, inviting them in, but don't only treat them as donors, treat them as people. And then also, and when you're looking at how to move regular donors or monthly donors into more mid-level donors, you do need to have a marketing budget and staff time for dedicated to donor retention and moving donors up the donor ladder. So many nonprofit fundraising plans just include fundraising events and initial Mm -hmm. asks. And don't focus at all on staff time and initiatives focused on donor retention, though. The, uh, Hallelujah. We, right? <laughs> we want to think, well, they're already, they're already our donors, so I don't need to give them any attention. Treat donors as people. Like, I know for me, me writing a $50 check, and we'll say just $50, me writing a $50 check is a dinner I'm not going out to or, right? That I'm right. It's impactful. And so treat a lot of times you might just forget about it in a year. 
And if you're not reminded yeah. as a donor, you spent 50 bucks, but maybe this year you could do 500 and you just yeah. weren't reminded. Weren't yeah, connected. I just, and then uh, finally, and Abby, I think you're going to laugh at this. I just did a webinar and actually have it coming up again about how to raise a thousand dollars in donations in just two days, right? There was a lot of things right. you could do in an afternoon. And one of the things and I'm like, and I prefaced it, everyone's going to hate this the most. And I'm sure everyone listening, you're going to hate this idea the most. One of the things you can do in just a couple hours is to run a report in your donor management system, pick 15 mid-level donors and just call them, say hello, maybe tell them one little story, just chat with them, right? Just make personal connection to retain your donors. And those little, as I said about in part one of like Ethel, right? right. Getting a random phone call from the executive director that didn't have any intent other than just say thank you and how you doing is what caused her to leave her estate gift. So everyone hates doing those right regular personal contacts, personal handwritten notes. Oh, that takes too long. I just want to like, I went through the math of the ROI on that and ended up being like, just to do that, if a couple of those donors end up at writing a $500 check they weren't otherwise going to write, like you were getting a return of almost $450 an hour. And I want to see, <laughs> show me an executive director where their time is more valuable than that, right? Right. Like, do the math. <laughs> so <laughs> people say they amazing. don't have time. And the same I would say is true for casual with regular giver handwritten letters. Right. It's a great segue into the regular and meaningful communication. It is. It is. This is something that as a university development person, it was really important for me to always have a communications plan for every one of our donors because the university was a statewide university and I could get easily lost in the hundreds of people that were in my portfolio. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I didn't have a plan on how I was going to communicate to them, it would be a shit show. So my process for the regular meaningful communications was first of all, like, did this person like communicating and how do they like communicating? So a lot of times the younger donors, like I'd say 30 and under wanted text updates. So I would shoot them a text every week. And it was just a mass text from my personal phone being like, Hey, this is what's going on. Here's an event you might be interested in. How is so-and-so doing? Just simple things like that. And it didn't take very much time out of my day, but it kept them engaged. And they always came to the annual gala. They spent more money on the auction than they normally would have because that really created more of a connection, not just to me, but to the organization, which was really important. And through that, I also started to get to know their situation. So I would find out when they got promotions, which AKA meant more money. Mm-hmm. And I knew like different family events. So if they were having a kiddo, I would send them. Um, one of my favorite things was to send onesies with the university on them. Like future Panther uh-huh. here. This is so exciting. I'm so like, congratulations. And I mean, babies are just super cute in general. So sending anything. <laughs> so I think what I'm hearing, Abby, is the part, <laughs> one that's part two of donors are people too. Yes. And they like to and treat and this is like, treat them and treat them. Well, we're going to continue the dating analogy <laughs> and treat like, this is like, so you've gone from like a first date or a second date initial. And like now Abby's talking about courtship, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you're meeting their family. Now you're getting to know what everybody else is doing in their lives in their workplace. And maybe there's connections there. So for nonprofits that aren't specifically universities, Getting to know their family situation, you can invite them to outdoor barbecues that I guess family friendly events like that are really, really important. If they don't have to take a Saturday afternoon off from being mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, 
and they can incorporate that into their family, you're getting even more people to your events and you're creating that whole family connection to them. So it's really important to know their situation and to kind of get them to connect with the organization more in that yeah. way. Can, your can I jump into a specific related to that? Yeah. <laughs> so I know that people don't like administrative tasks, especially people that are like, I'm a relational, like wooer is my strength. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm a very relational person, but I don't really like administrative tasks of tracking things as much as Abby does. But one of the things that I've seen that people fail about is in their donor management system, which I hope they have one that they don't note spouses at all. So or people children. Treat whoever writes yeah. the check, people treat whoever writes the check as the only person, but often especially when you're looking at older donors, that checkbook could have one person's name on it, but the person who's emotionally connected to the organization is someone else. So make sure, especially if someone's donated more than like twice, you really know, are they married they or not? Are. What is the name yep. of their spouse? Yeah. Right. Yep. All that right, is sorry. so important. <laughs> that Seriously though. So important. Thinking my husband and my checkbooks definitely have not merged yet. <laughs> yeah. That's really important. Um, there's another thing as like communication goes, if you have like a regular email that you're sending out to people, depending on your email service, you can customize and personalize those emails. So if you have an email newsletter going out, make sure it has their name in it. Like definitely personalize that. Like I get a lot that are like, Hey friend, probably because I didn't put my first name in the sign up sheet or wherever I donated uh-huh. or maybe their CRM and email don't connect, whatever it is. But I'm just like, ah. I like when they know my name. Uh-huh. It makes me feel better. <laughs> and that goes for however they want to be contacted. If you're texting them, if you're calling them, make sure you know how they want to be talked to. Like if it's Mr. in the last name or if it's just first name basis. And sometimes that's like date two or three that you get there. Maybe it's not. The uh-huh, right. So just knowing and making notes of that in your CRM is going to be really, really important. Mm-hmm. Another thing we talk about especially in the first section today, was showing your donor how they make the impact. So another way you can do that and to really emphasize is to send them a special donor impact report. And I typically do that like annually. And that just gets mixed in with all of the things that you're doing that are really personalized. So this one does not have to be very specific towards the donor, but more in general, Like, this is where your money went to. And here's images of kids playing on that playground. And like, just look how beautiful this is and all of that. So it's not as, but Abby, (laughs) but Abby, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just saying all the things I know that, but that donor impact report will cost money. And don't the donors want us not, I hear this all the, we can't print it in color. The donors will think we're wasting money. And I'm like, no, like, I don't want to be like research shows. Right. Come on. It's true. Right. And you don't have to mail it. You don't have to print it for every donor. If you know a donor is more email oriented, email it to them. Like create a really cool graphic in Canva and you can get it printed from there for the older donors or for those who prefer to see it in person. And for the others, you can email it. It's totally fine. But it's also like you need to have those segments in your email service or in your CRM so that you know who those people are. Admin. Yeah, I will tell Yeah, admin test. I will tell it stuff I don't like. I will say though, with the <laughs> impact report, which I tell clients to kind of switch around their annual report and the messaging to make that an impact report just a little bit about like the last page or so can be like slipped in about anything that's required for a grant for a right. right. But like you should be right. utilized. Like the whole idea of I'm going to do all this boring stuff and put all these statistics that no one cares about related to how what our 
how much we spent on our health insurance and what, right. <laughs> right? Like nobody cares about that. Like just make that one little graph and put all the other warm and fuzzies all over the place. But I would argue like donors want to be a part of success. And like, it sounds wonderful to say things like we don't want to waste their money, but it costs money to make money. And just evidence shows that hundred percent of the time in my experience, you're spending that money to have professionally printed things handed to people. It's respectful. Nobody wants to see something that's in black and white to save money or has no white around the edges, right? Like stop that crap. It's respectful to give something polished. You're showing with your gift. We are able to do these things in a professional manner. So if anyone's thinking that you shouldn't do it because it costs money, like you're going to end up losing money of potential donors or donor retention by not spending the money on that impact. Right. And that comes back to like most donors are going to be very invested in your nonprofit and they want to see that you're invested in it as well. Yes. Oh, yes. Now now we'll get off our soapbox. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. All right. So let's talk about why communication is important. I feel like we have been talking about that but we're going to make it very, very clear. (laughs) Yeah. And Abby, before we get there, can I make one other date joke? Yes. (laughs) So like if we're, if we're analyzing like the way we interact as nonprofits with the donor as a potential like date or boyfriend, like nobody wants someone to bring the McDonald's every day because it's cheaper. (laughs) I know I had to feed you and take you to dinner, but I'm showing you that like, right. Nobody wants. Yes. Yes. I like that. (laughs) Sorry for the crappy analogy. All right. Let's talk why, why communication is important. Okay. So first of all, we're connecting to their emotions. We have said that I should go back and count how many times, but connect to their emotions. Another reason is like our actions speak louder than our words. So if we are showing people through our actions that we care about them as donors, it's going to be more important than shooting that email, like just showing them that you truly care more or less outweighs what you say in the email. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And it also links your donors directly to, like, as Kelly was talking about previously, it really links your donors directly to your consumers or your beneficiaries. So they are making that personal connection to them. Even if they're not talking to them, they are seeing what's going on and they make that heartfelt connection. So that's really, really important. All right. I'm done with my soapbox for now. Okay. We're off our soapbox there. So our last part of it, I want to hear Kelly kind of dive into making donors more a part of your organization's story and how you help to do that. Yes. One is you can't thank donors enough, right? Thank them seven times over and over again in every way. But there's a big debate in the nonprofit space, especially the nonprofit uh, fundraising and marketing space. Who's the hero? Who's the hero Mm -hmm. of the story? Is your organization the hero? Is your client that did all the things to change their own lives through your resources the hero? Is the donor the hero? I would argue that at least in a quarter of your marketing, like 25% of your marketing, your donor needs to be the hero, right? Because of the impact these people make. Yeah. And this is different than just setting out a press release or putting a blog post like, thank you for your donation. Look, I'm slapping the logo of this corporation that gave a gift and doing a check presentation. Like that's great to acknowledge in that way. And I will tell you for donors, they're expecting that, that minimal acknowledgement, but really to come back around three months after, and I'll do a corporate donation example, which is not what we're talking about, but just to, you know, well, let's say Ethel, right? So Ethel gives that major gift. So like Ethel's a perfect example. So she gives that estate gift and her family says it's okay to thank them publicly. So typically like the organization might put a little social media post or send out a press release that said like, thank you for the generous gift from the Ethel, blah, 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 trust. 
thank you for her family, this and this and this, you know, we really appreciate all you've done to continue our mission and vision. And then you never hear about it again, right? So the way to kind of level up and make the donor, the hero of the story then is three months from then. We know that Ethel personally, and probably her family did too, really cared about spending money to get the animals spayed and neutered, right? So three months from then, you know, showing a process of a veterinarian doing that or walking in to do it, this is because of the generous donation that the Ethel Bolo Memorial Trust did, we are able to, you know, um, spay and neuter 12. I, you're, Abby's like, so Kelly knows just... nothing about animals. Thank you. But like your donor repeatedly 25% of the time, and this can be anywhere from a a major donor to just like, we'll say, you know, because of the community support or the support of donors, but but like whenever you're telling the impact story of your organization, instead of saying, this is what our program does. Oh, look, thank you. Say, because of you, because of this specific donor segment, we were able to, or even tagging mid-level donors in it and thanking them is so important. So a great way to make donors part of your organization story is to send out press releases that acknowledge them, that tell the story related to them, that post those as blog posts to maybe even quarterly. I mean, heck, just quarterly. Quarterly, have your executive director get on and talk about what all they're doing and making sure to frame it as because of the donations that have come in. You know that some of your donors are there and connected and they're starting to get those. If you're telling an emotional story, the executive director is instead of just these, the programs we did and this is how long we've been open. If you're telling a specific emotional story and then making the donor the hero in that story, that's important. And I would say during any campaign, don't just ask for money, thank them on social media and then follow up. And it depends on what you really want to do. But if you are committed to allocating resources to moving donors up the donor ladder, it should be thanking donors in all of the ways. People always say, well, we already sent an email. I would tag them on social media. I would send the automated email that comes on the donor platform. I would send a personal thank you. And maybe even the following week, have a group of volunteers make phone calls or send them a text and say, thank you again for your donation, right? Like all of the ways. There is not... No, no donor will be like, okay, that's too much appreciation. Stop. And if they yeah. are, then they're very humble and do not belong in my friend circle. Don't yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would say though, when it comes to the way nonprofits work in mindset, that's kind of broken is all of those things that I just talked about are about engaging with current donors to retain them and move them up to be higher level donors. So many nonprofits just think about how to get new donors. And it's much more difficult to get a new person to buy than it is to retain someone who already knows and cares. So you'll spend all of your time, right? Messaging new people, people just need to know about us. People need to know about us. What about those people that already know, like make sure they're staying connected, right? Right. Allocate resources towards that. Yes. That's so, so important. And if a donor hasn't given in the last three or four years, find out why make that reconnection. They've already had the connection to the organization. It's still going to be easier than getting a brand new donor. Right. So Abby, uh, (laughs) so I think for a lot of people listening, they might still think, what exact, how do we know who these people are, right? Mid, high level donors. How, so do you have any indicators for your organizations that to help them identify potential major donors or even potential or mid-level donors? Yeah. So one of the things that I really like being the marketing person that I am is using social media to kind of creep on your audience. So looking at the people who are liking your posts, who are commenting, who kind of just organically found you and are supporting you. Those people Mm -hmm. you should have connections with, even if it's just messaging back and forth on Facebook or Instagram, create that connection and get to know them that way. 
because then you can know like, are they going to be a volunteer or would they be a mid to high level donor? You know, how can we get them in the door? Another thing that I really do, especially for like the high level and more corporate sponsorship and donations is LinkedIn creeping. If there is a connection from anyone on LinkedIn, they usually have more of a professional atmosphere there because it's a professional platform. So you're going to find people who are connected to organizations because of others. So you can kind of look at the network and see who's there and who's in your local community that you can reach out to. That's another thing. I always start local. Like I would never tell somebody to go to a big corporation because I have a connection. Just starting at the ground floor and being like, oh, who is local that I can get on board? You know, Mm -hmm. because people want to see impact in their community. It's a lot harder for us to understand the impact nationally or internationally than it is with our own two eyes in a place that we love and we've chosen to live. Amen. Abby, the nonprofit <laughs> strategist and professional creeper. <laughs> oh, I should add that to my tagline. You should add that. You should add that to your tagline. <laughs> I think one of my first jobs, like pre-college, was social media management because it had just started getting cool. And I definitely put like professional creep on there. <laughs> I got the job, but that was definitely nice. on my resume at one point. That's hilarious. <laughs> to be young. Uh, All right. I young. have one question for you. And we talked about this a couple of times, but we really didn't cover is why it's so important to have donor relationships that are documented in a donor management system. Do you have any suggestions for a donor management system or a CRM? Yes. And I, I have so many. And actually... um, <laughs> One of my reasons, if you're like, no, I've been the development director forever, you want to operate, if you're really doing nonprofit leadership correctly as an executive director or nonprofit leader, you want to operate as if you're hit by a bus today, your organization can continue on. You need to care about the sustainability of your organization. So if you are keeping all of the knowledge, and I see this a lot with like old school foundations, like even in universities, if you're keeping Mm -hmm. all of the knowledge of your donors in your head, and not in a donor management system, you are harming the organization you're working for. Because if you go away, if something happens to you, all of that institutional knowledge is gone. Yes. So that is me venting about why you need a donor management system. Now, when it comes to which one, there are places all over the board. Uh, Little Green Light, I think is like less than $40 a month. This is what a lot of the like mom and pop organizations, I would say if you have over a $100,000 operating budget, anywhere up to like half to three quarters of a million dollars, especially if you're also getting grant funds diversified into that. Little Green Light's a good option for a starting donor management system. You know, Donor Perfect, Razor's Edge. If you go to the Grid HQ blog and look up donor management, I nerd out about them all the time. But if you're an impactful, maybe Abby will just, if you're an impactful small nonprofit, like she works with quite a bit, I think... If you're going from Excel spreadsheet to access database to little green light, that's a great place to start, right? Yes. And that's actually one of the first things for a lot of my nonprofits when we do fund development. If they have an Excel spreadsheet, I love spreadsheets. I absolutely love them. But they should not be your donor management. So little green light is the first step we start. Getting them integrated into that is very helpful. Just uh-huh. a side note, access is no longer available. Like that. No database, way. Yeah. Microsoft got it. Yay. I almost cried. Yay. I almost cried. Yay. It's a uh, victory for nonprofits everywhere. You can't depend on your access database. Uh, I, I think it's so funny. Transition. Uh, yes. Me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think it's so the funny push. you interact with like 
when you interact with nonprofits that are like one to $5 million operating budget, like large institutions that still have spreadsheets and access databases, like what are you doing? Or organizations even around the half million dollar operating budget level that are entirely dependent on donor funds, just realize mm-hmm. that if you are like, no, we're saving money. Okay. $40 a month. If you're using a spreadsheet, all of the extra work you're doing to use a spreadsheet and all of the missed opportunities because you're not using a database to track things. Like you are not saving money by spending zero money on a donor management system. If you are at a higher level, again, I like anything that's integrated with your accounting system is probably where you should start. So donor perfect raisers, edge is a great, now Blackbot, great way if whatever accounting software you're using, see if there's a donor management platform that integrates with it. So you're not having to do So you're removing almost a quarter time staff person by not having to do dual entry of your donations. That's a great suggestion. And that other person, whoever doesn't have to do dual will love you because that is a Yeah. Then they can spend their time calling donors to thank them. Then they can spend their time writing personal letters and calling donors to thank them. Right. A much more useful part of their time. Yeah. Well, Abby, thank you so much for nerding out with me about one of my favorite topics, which is moving donors to the donor ladder and engaging with donors so they're because they're not scary monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. I love this yeah. talk. I love yes. nerding out with you. Yes. And just a reminder to anyone listening, this is part two of building relationships to mid to high level donors. If you didn't listen to part one, go ahead and listen to last week's. If you already have listened to both and you think it's wonderful, we look forward to Seeing you again next week. This is Kelly and Abby, your nonprofit BFFs. Uh, thank you for listening to Nonprofit Girl Boss. Please make sure to rate this podcast so we can grow our audience and follow so you can check out weekly episodes, how you can improve your nonprofit leadership and life. Mm-hmm.